Welcome to the program. This is Adrian Chamberlain. We're talking to Marcus Pollard, who was a booker and a promoter of Harpo's Nightclub, legendary nightclub in Victoria, for many, many years. Welcome, Marcus. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. You ran this club for many years with uh, Gary Van Busker. Uh, yes, well, we booked it. There were a few owners, a few, um, a lot of owners in the in the mix, but, uh, well, what but was, Gary and I were the bookers. What was the time period we're talking about? Uh, for me? Yeah, was Gary before you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gary yeah. was there f- right from the very beginning. Um, I think it started in 74. I think it might have been like a soft opening in 74. Okay. Um, but uh, as I was only nine and living in uh, Kitimat at the time, it didn't really fit my schedule. And so uh, I had to wait a little while. But I got there, I think, in about 1985. And you were there from 85 till... 95-ish, 96 oh, maybe. So Actually, 90, maybe 96. That sounds like about 12 years. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty long time. I booked a club before I booked Harpo's. It was called Club Hacienda. Oh, okay. And it was, uh, I took over from Tom Holliston uh, of uh, No Means No fame. And, right. Uh, so I think I was there for probably about a year. The dates are always pretty fuzzy in my head. It could have been six months. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how I kind of got my feet wet in the in the club booking. But I had done some shows beforehand, like any good uh, punk rock kid would do. How long was Harpo's going in its entirety? Do you know, like even before you got involved? I believe it was seventy four to ninety six, give or take. Okay, and um, so and how did you get involved? Did Gary invite you to? Uh, get involved, well, or? well, my club kind of burned down, uh, oh. so that was that was slightly problematic. What happened and, there? Uh, not really sure. I think um, it was, I think, slightly suspicious circumstances. But yeah. uh, oh, wow. but, long time uh, ago, it never it never <laughs> got cleared. So I uh, I was without a job, and okay. uh, Gary and I had worked on a couple of concerts previously. Well, I'm sorry, I would say I, I helped him with a couple of concerts. One was uh, Romeo Void. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think was probably the first one. Okay. And uh, then I I had done a couple of shows on my own. I, actually, I did some shows at uh, with uh, the Random Thought crew. We did shows at the uh, Roxy Theater. And I th- think the, the uh, final nailing it for 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 me there was that uh we did a camper van beethoven show at the roxy and it did very well it sold out but it was the same day as 5440 was playing harpos and i think that gary gary was a very astute man uh, i think he realized that uh this young whippersnapper was going to be a problem and oh. uh so he hired me so it'd be better to team up than uh be absolutely yeah so that, that was good <laughs> And so tell me about the early days of your involvement. What, uh, do you have strong memories of that or? Well, it was, it's funny because when I started out, I was, I was a DJ and a light person. And you were how old uh, when you started Harpo's roughly? I probably would have been 20 or 21. 
Yeah, it's, it's good to be on your second nightclub by the time you're 20, you know? It's, uh... No kidding. Yeah, that's so young. That's great, though. It was, it was the 80s, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> Things awesome. were a little loosey-goosey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he started me off just doing that, and then they started these things called Alternative Mondays. I would do the DJing for that. I think Gary realized very quickly that I had more skills than just that. Yeah. And I mean, I think he knew that from the start, but, uh, but my ambitions, I think, were pretty strong, and uh, I just wanted to get great music. So yeah, that was, that was pretty much the start of that. Uh, my early times, though, at Harpo's, it's funny, because I was thinking about this today. When I first started, I think Colin James had a five-day gig and uh, there were lots of five-day gigs, lots of four-day gigs. So it would be like uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday, Saturday. So two se- usually just five days a week, but separated into two or for the whole week. The more I got my fingers into the pie, the that less and less. The, those long shows were less and less, uh, happened way less and less. Uh, sorry to interrupt, sorry. Marcus. I, yeah. I do re- remember, though, I know musicians really like them for obvious reasons. I mean, <laughs> they didn't have to keep setting up their gear and breaking down. And, you know, I remember also people like Jim Burns, I think, was, you know, he'd, he'd have like a four or five day gig. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and they would actually, and before, they would even bring their own PAs. Like Harpo's didn't have its own PA, okay. which was very normal. The bands would tour with a PA. They would bring it in. Yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. Uh, and I, I know I was kind of looked, uh, looked at like an enemy from uh, different, different groups of people because of, of, of that. You know, I was kind of a symptom of the, of the changing times and uh, wasn't fantastic. <laughs> oh, you mean, so you were involved in kind of a switchover from the four or five day gig to a Ab- single absolutely. night? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, the, and- uh, the cover bands to the original bands and the, you know, we went, they would, they could have you know Colin James play three sets a night yeah. for five days, and five years later they would have three bands a night for seven days a week. So you know you're going from one band to twenty bands in a week. So, yeah, uh, a little little more work involved, and uh, and you know it was like like you said there was a lot of um, uh, bar bands for lack of better term yeah. who were finding that that wasn't that they didn't have a place anymore but that was happening everywhere it wasn't just harpos it was all over the world so yeah so a kind of a switch for, uh, to original music uh, emphasis on that a lot of uh, alternative so-called alternative stuff original was alternative that's pretty much the, the long and the short of it what kind of bands were happening then aside from Colin James when you first uh uh, when I first started, there were bands like the Invaders, mm-hmm. uh, who were a, a very cool um, '60s uh, Brit, whatever uh, British explosion band. And in fact, there was two of the guys who were who were part of the band had a band called Zedvox Phantom. But, uh, there was bands like Rent Party and uh, Doug Burgess and the or Daryl Burgess and the Snakes and. Lori Paul, who else? Oh, Jim Burns. Yeah, all of those guys. What, and, and, and your your duties at the time, Marcus, like you'd be doing like t- 
tons of different things. I mean, it's not like you're just booking bands. You're what? Can you kind of outline what your duties came to? Well, when it started, I was like I said, I was just doing lights and DJing. Um, but yeah, booking bands. I I eventually took over poster distribution, poster creation. I had a a uh, when I first started out with an Atari 520 ST that I used for uh, nice for writing press releases. On. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> and did you do? I remember Harpo's used to have a weekly, like a lot of the clubs, they would have a weekly or a monthly calendar. A monthly calendar. I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah that you, was kind of our pride and joy. Yeah. Um, that's. I think that started when I came around. Also because, you know, you needed it more for, for the amount of bands that were coming. But uh, I would write all the, uh, all the bios on the back. And we put together a very sophisticated distribution system for, you know, we would, we would Xerox, I don't know, two, three, four thousand of them and uh, get them all over the, to all the record stores. And they were double-sided. Um, so the calendar on the front and then the info on the back. The, d- the uh, days of Xeroxing. Would... Eh? Uh, oh, gosh, yeah. It seems like when you mentioned the Atari system, it's such a different It's, uh, it's time, true. It's yeah. very true. Yeah, yeah. The Posies were a band from Bellingham when we first got them, and I had heard their demo tape, and it was just John and Ken. I just loved them. I thought they were going to be the Smiths of, uh, of the Northwest. I want to ask you some other stuff, uh, specific details, of course. But you know, as a for me as a journalist at the TC, whenever I would interview bands, uh, you could tell bands all over Canada knew about Harpo's. Like it was, I think, a legendary club. You know, one of a handful across Canada, and you would know that. But why? Why do you think that was? What? What was the magic ingredient there? I think there were a few magic ingredients. Um... I I like to think of uh, Harpo's as the what is it the five blind men and an elephant. Oh yeah. Um, how uh, <laughs> every every person has a different point of view of what the club was. There are guys who say, oh, it was a fantastic blues club, or oh, the reggae acts were amazing, or the, the I loved going there on the Fridays and Saturdays and dancing, and oh, the Thursday student nights were insane the Monday nights, the punk rock, the singer-songwriters. It's funny, when I look at some of the larger towns like Seattle or Vancouver or Toronto, they had four or five clubs that Mm -hmm. would book a lot of the same things that we would book. But because we were a small market, we would kind of coalesce all of those into one club. So it was a club with, with a lot of different identities, but you could go down on any given night be pretty sure that you would see something great. I uh, that's a really good point because I always kind of thought that, and it's it's partly as you say. I guess everything was kind of concentrated in a smaller market, but but you guys were good at booking good acts. I think too. I mean, that's well. I mean, Gary and I, we were. Uh, it, it is funny. I I have been musing about this recently. Um, Going forward many years, when I uh, got let go from Harpo's, let go, I guess that's a way of saying it, <laughs> and uh, when, I, when I was fired from the university, from Vertigo, uh, I think that they all thought that we just sat on the phone and talked all day long, but there was just a lot of work behind that, that talking. 
when Gary and I, we were trying to get uh, touring acts into Harpo's, it was really, really hard to get touring acts. They, uh, they would hear about the ferry and, you know, some guy in Boston would go, what? I'm not, I'm not taking a ferry. Yeah, that would seem you know? weird, like a, like a hassle, also, right? Would, yeah. Well, it also would mean that you lose a day. If you yeah. need to get to somewhere, you can't just get in the car and drive when you're done. So, so it, it was definitely a problem. So we, it, we had to sell it all the time. I remember I would uh, I was I was courting a lot of uh, New York and Chicago and uh, Los Angeles Boston agents. Every morning I would look at my Times colonist and I would look at some sports scores and I would say, okay, the Bulls did great last night, the Yankees did great last night, the Mets did great last night, and so I would call these guys and I would go, hey, so and so and. You know, I would start talking about the sports, and I, I would, I would do anything to try and ingratiate myself yeah. into these, uh, to these guys. But and, that's uh, a smart thing to do. So what you're saying is, you were, you want to establish a relationship, and and so they oh, don't yeah. think you're just some other, you know, Joe Schmo from Canada. You're like kind of a good guy or well, somebody. Well, we just, yeah. I just wanted to do, I just wanted to press every advantage I possibly could. But after a while, I would imagine you would develop these relationships and, and the bands, I think, would probably think they like playing there and they were well treated. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. They, they might and, even and, like... Know, we, we, we paid pretty what, what you know, yeah, we, we decent. paid pretty well. And, yeah. uh, but it, it's funny because I, I remember I would call a couple, of, uh, a couple of New York agents and I would go, they would say, you got anything for me today? And they'd go, nope, sorry. And I'd say, okay, talk to you tomorrow. And they'd go like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, I want to, uh, that's funny. And it was partly the, um, just before we move on, I mean, we're talking about the appeal of Harpo's. I mean, for me, going there, I would be sitting in Harpo's, especially, you know, by the windows, and you'd be hearing good music and stuff. And I think, I can't believe how great this is. I'm sitting on a harbor in this cool little club. It's, it's really nice. Bands, you know, 25 feet away. I mean, it Absolutely. had the, the physical, there's something about the physical thing of the club, I, I think. was The shape of it is, yeah. was spectacular. I mean, it even is now. I go into the uh, yeah. upstairs, or I used to go into the upstairs, and, uh, yeah. and I would still feel it. You know, you're just, you're so close to the, to the you're probably, you know, 100 feet away from the band at any given, you know, at the furthest, furthest uh, distance. And, and all the wood everywhere that's just very warm. It's very warm yeah. on the sound as well. And, and the shape, because it's kind of shaped in a, a diamond shape or something yeah, like so that. It's good so, for... so you don't get a lot of uh, slap back. And yeah. It's quite perfect. But yeah, some days you would just sit there and look out on the, at the, the harbor, the twinkling lights of the boats. I do remember I, I booked a band from, I think, Chicago or Boston. They were called the Volcano Suns. We took a walk around the harbor. One of them looked at me and he said, you're allowed to live here? <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, so, uh, Marcus, I wanted to ask you, and I know you've been, you get asked about this a lot, but uh, I would hear over the years that you guys booked some famous bands early on. And, and one I'd heard, for example, was, uh, I think, Green Day, maybe a couple of times. Green Day played, nope. I think, Harpo's once. Okay. Did you? But they they played Victoria about ninety times. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. They, they liked the girls in Victoria. <laughs> Just, 
It's as simple as that. So did you get to know them a little bit or did you uh, have a recollection? Just a very tiny bit for myself. I know that Jake Warren did a bunch of shows with them. Uh, He was very chummy with them. I think might still even be chummy with them. I had a funny thing. I tried to not get too chummy with the bands. I wanted to maintain some sort of professional distance. I kind of wanted the crowd to be able to have that as well. Gary taught me very early, you could see the show or you could be the show. Gary was very good at staying in the, in the shadows, and he taught me that very well, to not kind of insinuate yourself into the party of it. That's interesting, because the, yeah. the, the other model is somebody like Bill Graham. He was such a, a, a character, right? Like, everybody knew that guy. and Absolutely. Yeah. But there's also, for me, what I saw, and we would see it all the time, people who were there to party, and they would party with the bands, oh, and I they see would burn out very quick. And yeah, we, yeah. you know, we were longevity, and, and we kind of... I kind of treated it like a job. You know? I, I, hear what, I hear what you're saying now. Yeah, because yeah, the danger I, in, is... In you, retrospect, I kind of wish I had sucked up a little. I mean, sorry, hung out a little more. With yeah, the, well, it's a fine line, though. Bands, but. And I mean, when you're in a nightclub, you're, a part of it is, is going to be, you know, there's like booze and drugs and... and um, oh, always. You, you want to be have some separation at least an awareness of that right so yeah absolutely and that's uh that's i know i mean i would see people all the time even with the bands or their managers or very early on i didn't draw that line in the sand but uh, Mm. i I would see people who were just hammered 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 and yeah and i would be trying to pay them and they would not even be able to hold on to money and i would yeah yeah, huh, I think this is a cautionary tale I'm looking at right now. <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen the odd promoter, even Victoria, not to name any names, that uh, are, are becoming part of the party rather than yep, creating absolutely. the party. And we always had our, our eye on the prize. We always just wanted to have a great club and have, bring, bring great music and see the best bands we possibly could every single time. So that's a good point, Marcus. What, uh, again, going back to memory, what, uh, what I had heard, for example, uh, I think Pearl Jam might have played. Yeah, Pearl Jam played, well, we did two shows with them in Victoria and two shows with them in Vancouver. I guess Alice in Chains, we did two shows in Victoria, but then three shows in Vancouver. But it's very funny because I, um, I was in Vancouver for some reason and uh i went to oh what was the big rock and roll club in vancouver club soda maybe it might have been club oh, okay soda. yeah i had heard about this this seattle band alice in chains and i got there and the crowd hated them it was a metal it was like a a hair metal crowd which, oh, okay. and they, they used to be a hair metal band yeah. but they were going away from that i introduced myself and i, I called their manager up couple of days later and I just said uh, you are playing the wrong rooms up here you you mm. need to play in front of uh, an alternative you need to play in front of a punk rock audience so I convinced them to do shows in Victoria and Vancouver and about a month before they came down uh, the manager also had a band called Temple of the Dog which was mm-hmm. Chris Cornell and what would then become Pearl Jam 
I was asking for them, but he's like, ah, oh, they don't really play. So he said, but they are starting up a new band, and uh, um, they can open up the, the Alice in Chains shows. That's how it happened. They didn't have a name, and uh, I kept on asking him for a name, and I think they just made up a name on the spot. But oh, was that so? Was it that was Pearl that, Jam? You mean no? Yeah, yeah. Pearl Jam. They they oh, were Mookie so that, Blaylock. Uh, they, so that they were was Mookie Blaylock, and uh, yeah, I think it was. The, there. So that was kind of the or uh, almost like the origins of that band. That's exciting, oh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, that was probably their third. I think their third or fourth show, their first international show for sure. Um, yeah. Then we did a, another show with them in September of that year. Uh, it was the start of the um, of the 10 tour, in fact, the first two dates of the 10 tour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's that's pretty momentous. I've, what? E- I've eaten out on that for a long time. Well, that's 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 pretty amazing, though. I, I always um, maybe it is a matter of taste. uh what everybody thinks about Harpo's. I, I remember you guys always booked a lot of really good blues bands, so like really, like really Absolutely. big Gary, names. Gary loved his blues, and Gary knew yeah. his blues very well. Okay. Um, John Lee Hooker played there, um, Clarence Gatemouth Brown, Danny Gatton. Great musicians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tons, tons and tons and tons of them. But again, that goes back to what I consider the, the strength of Harpo's was that... Uh, any given night, we would be the best at what we were. You mentioned uh, as a memorable tune for yourself, Dave Mason, uh, We Just Disagree, which is a great song. When I first started at Harpo's, there were things like Dave Mason, uh, John Stewart played there. Um, mm. wow. People out there turning, turning music into gold. And uh, Elvin Bishop, the Fooled Around and Fell in Love. Yeah, great. <laughs> It was music that I grew up with. It absolutely yeah. was. It was AM. They were AM hits, you know? Yeah. A lot of those bands I kind of dismissed at the time. Oh, I yeah. felt yeah. that at the time I was kind of too cool to enjoy them like I should have. And, and I can remember the Dave Mason. I can remember hearing him play the song and just going, oh, yeah, ah, great song. And your own personal taste, like I know as a promoter, Marcus, you can't cater to that, but I I thought you were somebody who was interested in power pop quite a bit. Absolutely, 100%. I love melody, but I also, I loved kind of gothy 4AD music, uh, but it it kind of became pretty clear to me that, one, that music was pretty hard to get, pretty hard to get them to come over here. And two, I also realized that I would lose money on every single one I wanted to do, so I would just go to Vancouver and see them instead. So it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper. And and you but, were uh, a musician yourself. I think you played in some bands. Uh, a musician might be a stretch, but sure. I yeah, uh, you I, sang and uh, played guitar. I sang in a band called The Clicks, eighty and eighty one, I think. Nice. But uh, I also was uh, I played bass in a band called Red Tide for a little while. Those are well-known Victoria bands. From yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and Tom and I and Steve Bailey started up, uh, Tom Holliston and I and Steve Bailey started up the show business giants, which was kind of a, a fun little quirky, I remember that weird band. band. That was a good band. That was a really good band. Yeah. yeah. Ours was, uh, the, the version that we had was no drums. It was essentially a, uh, I don't know, a, a drumless polka band or something. It was a weird <laughs> band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Did you ever have, you know, somebody you're excited about, perhaps well-known, and, and they come in and they're, and they're just kind of really difficult to deal with? And I always tried to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. There were a lot of people that uh, I was just thinking about the, um, they might be giants mm. when they came and played. Yeah. We were very, very, very excited about them to come. Uh, yes. I, you know, I loved them, but nice. just did not click with them at all. And they were very, you know, they were very, probably very New York and very show business. A, a lot of people, when they came to Victoria, it wasn't just being in Victoria, this outpost of Canada. It was also being in Canada in general was weird for people. And yeah, I think that they thought that the, you know, the club was too small for them and things oh, like that. Okay. And, and, yeah. uh, but th- there have been a few. And it is funny because I know there are bands that I just wished I had connected with more, but mm. just didn't. There must have been times when bands are supposed to be there and things happen and, and maybe they get there at the last minute or maybe they don't even show up any, any, uh, anything memorable. Oh, ab- absolutely. Well, but- I, I mean, being a border crossing has always been a problem. Gary and I once went down to... Uh, to we wouldn't have a band come through uh, Port Angeles very often, but we had uh, Michael Franti coming in, and he's an extremely political individual. So he got stopped at the border, and we had to actually go down and sweet talk the customs guys in person. And and Michael Franti is a very uh, anti-authoritarian individual, <laughs> and I'm sure that there was racism involved 100 percent on the on the. Uh, if if he were white, he would have got in no problem. Gary and I were just kind of, you know, sucking up to the to the border guys just to try and get him through, which he eventually did. But yeah. uh, so he was just see he was our, our our plan was just to get him out before he explodes and starts screaming at one of the, one of the so guys you, and calling you, him pigs. You, you, you felt potentially he might not be helping his own case. So we, oh. we definitely had a few of those. Yeah. A few. <laughs> um, but I think that's, that's just being on a border. That's, we're dependent on that all the time. And of course. And, 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 you know, and musicians, they're not, I mean, a lot of them have had d- drug arrests in the past and, and that might crop Absolutely, up, yeah. um, that kind of thing. We did have a band come in from, I think, Senegal or something. I can't actually remember the band. Mm. They were staying at the, the hotel down, uh, one of the hotels down on the on the harbor. I kept on calling them, and they would go, "Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we'll get there, we'll get there." And finally, at about I don't know, eleven o'clock, maybe Gary and I went down to their to their hotel, and uh, their manager said, "Yeah, they're just not going to go. They're just not going to go on stage." Why were they just and getting? We couldn't. We never got a straight answer. We were just... like, "Well, you know, you're not going to get paid." They're like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So there, there might have been some partying going on or something. I, I have no idea. <laughs> so, so I had to go back and uh, to the audience and go, so, funny thing. <laughs> oh, my God. That wouldn't go down well. And plus, they've probably been waiting all, uh, you know, all night for them. Yeah. I mean, but it was just, the thing was, is, and I think people could understand my frustration. I was yeah. just like, 
I'm sorry. They are right over there. They are yeah. 500 yards from from us right That's, now. That uh, we yeah. can't get them to come onto the stage. You know, Marcus. While I think of it, and and uh, I'm jumping around here a bit, but I, I had heard uh, did Nirvana did they ever uh, play here or did, no? They not, did not. not. Oh, okay. We pitched it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a band called. It was it was a November 14th or 17th or something like that. We had a band called Leslie Spit Trio on the day. We talked to Leslie Spit Trio. We wanted to get them to move because we knew that Nirvana was going to be a big deal. We could not get them to to move. We offered to pay them their whole contract, and they wouldn't do it. Yeah. So instead of Nirvana, people got Angel from Montgomery, which is a great tune. But It wasn't really what we wanted, no. Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, and that's that's a band that I first started to book at Hacienda. And then after Hacienda burnt down, I, I put on my own big show. My first big show that I had ever put on was a Grapes of Wrath show, which lost a bunch of money for me, possibly because I actually forgot to put the date on the poster. Oh, yeah, okay. That might have something to do yeah. with it. And then at Harpo's, we booked them into Harpo's. Uh, Gary and I, we booked them into the UVic Center Auditorium. We booked them into the Royal Theater. And then when they became Ginger, we booked them into Vertigo and to The Limit. So hmm. I was thinking about them as being a band that, uh, that traveled with me basically for my whole career. Do you think there's like misconceptions about Harpo's or any fun or interesting things people don't realize that they have forgotten? I feel that 20 or 25 years or 30 years later or whatever it is, I think that it's become a lot more rosy to people. Yeah. Um, Nostalgia, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. it's, and it's great. I've gone from being that, that jerk who never returns phone calls to being this really awesome guy. So that's kind of neat for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like that's that. good. You always seemed uh, good to deal with, I thought. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. But... Um, <laughs> So, of course, it wound down uh, at the end. I think, it, was it the upstairs cabaret immediately after? It's, no, no, it was oh. Harpo's for a while, and then it was, okay. I think, called Planet Harpo's. I don't, oh, right. I, yeah. I don't, think, I, like I don't think I dreamed that. I think that's a I real thing. I think you're thing. right. It never seemed the same to me. I mean, I can say that. It, it just didn't. Well, no, it's, and it's funny because it's one of those... Um, and it's what I say when I when I talk about them letting us go, uh, mm. letting Gary and I go, was yeah. they 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 just thought that they could do it themselves. I'm not bragging. I think I'm kind of just stating the obvious. They just couldn't. That we had the connections, and like I said, when I was those years when I was calling people up every single day to get their trust, and so. It got to the point where when a band was putting together its, its routing, to its, its schedule for, for its tour, they would include Victoria on it, wh- mm-hmm. where before that wasn't the case. And so we would always have to try and shoehorn it in. You know, we would have the screaming matches with the agents and everything, but, but they trusted us. We always paid them. We always paid them well. And um, so, so, yeah, it was very sad to watch it fall apart in a, a whimper. It would be a thing where uh, perhaps the owners uh, at the time thought, well, we can pick up the phone too, I guess. Now, Sarah McLaughlin, she would have performed at 
Harpo's, obviously. Yeah, I think we probably did, I would say, 15, maybe more shows with her over the years. We worked a lot together, and uh, I had first met Sarah. She was 17 years old, kid from Halifax, and I was the club guy. And then when I saw her there, I was like, oh, so that's what we do. We see these people when they're on the way up and they grow and they grow and we help nurture them and we help bring the audience in to see them, to be a part of them, to be a part of their growth. And then they fly away. It, it occurred to me now, I know, know we're just kind of starting to come out of this terrible pandemic, but I, I had wondered aside from that, I mean, do you think Harpo's could could happen today i mean because you know the music scene is so different absolutely right? not and, and why is why not. is that do you think many 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 reasons i mean when i started at harpo's i was lucky to be a part of the whole uh the whole live uh, the live scene was changing going from bar bands to original music overnight and i was right there i mean i was 20 years old and being a part of that change when Pearl Jam played, they were two hundred dollars. When yeah. uh, when no no doubt played twice, I think they were two hundred and four hundred dollars. Sarah McLaughlin, I would uh, uh, we would we had a deal with uh, her manager Terry, where she would come over and do like five shows in a row, and they would just workshop songs from the new record or or the record that they were they were wanting to make, mm-hmm. and uh, we wouldn't pay them. We had a deal where they would just get 50% of the door. Oh, and that was, again, because we had earned their trust, so they knew that we were going to do a good job for them. That could happen back then. It just can't happen now. And also, the audiences aren't there. Yeah. Audiences don't care about rock and roll. No, it's, it's more, well, there's a much bigger acceptance of recorded, you know, D- DJ stuff, right? I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and then finally, you mentioned this is one of my favorite bands ever, uh, the Buzzcocks. Yeah. And I saw them twice, I think, at Harpo's. Maybe they played. Yeah, there they more. actually played twice at Harpo's. Yeah. Once they came with uh, Mike Joyce from the Smiths uh, mm. was, was filling in, and and right. when I when I got them, I really felt like I had personally. I'm air quoting here. You can't see that. Uh, I I, had, I felt like I had arrived. I felt like I had been able to come full circle. And, mm-hmm. and uh, for us, getting English bands in the first place was very, very, very difficult. But to get those guys who were, I mean, they were the buzzcocks, man. Yeah, I mean. that's like one of the top, uh, I guess, punk. Oh, kind of pop, punk. pop, Absolutely. pop punk. <clears throat> but punk. And have them twice and to be able to just sit down and talk with them about whatever. Well, I will wind this up. Because uh, the time's getting on. This was awesome. Nice to talk to you, Marcus. This was a blast. Thank you.